We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 391 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Friday, September 2nd, 2022. The start of a holiday weekend. The start of Labor Day weekend. Uh, A happy Labor Day weekend to you and yours. A salute to all of those who labor and have labored. Especially a salute to those who have been in labor Uh, My wife has twice been in labor. The results of those two occasions, the products of those two occasions are having a joint birthday party for a second consecutive year. Uh, Saturday is the day. We have that going on this weekend. Uh, You know, last year, the theme for the joint birthday party was superheroes. This year, the theme is being outdoors. You know, we wanted to do a theme of like landscaping. I've talked about this. My son, who just turned five, massively into landscaping. He's like mesmerized by people who mow lawns and cut trees and cut bushes. He can identify the different types of lawnmowers and all of the tools, you know, the edger, the trimmer, the leaf blower, etc. He's like a Mel Kuyper Jr. for landscaping. But we couldn't, or I should say my wife couldn't, find stuff for a landscaping-themed birthday party. You would think that that stuff would be out there, but I guess it is not. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, We have more roster maneuverings by the commanders to discuss. Uh, They, on Thursday, announced four more transactions. I tell you, this team, like a five-year-old, cannot stand still. Uh, Among the moves, running back Brian Robinson Jr. placed on the reserve non-football injury or illness list, and linebackers John Bostick and David Mayo signed to the 53-man roster. Yep, Bostick is back, and so too is Mayo, just a day after being released by the team. Uh, Next segment, I'll get into the implications and ramifications of these latest moves by the commanders. What now at running back with Brian Robinson Jr. out for at least the commanders' first four games of the 2022 regular season? And how about our team at linebacker going essentially with the exact same crew from last season? Uh, That crew did not work out so well last season. Will things be different 
in the 2022 season. Uh, I have a segment for you on the overall state of the commander's roster and on a key question with the roster is the commander's coaching staff, specifically offensive coordinator Scott Turner and defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio, good enough to maximize the talent on the commander's roster. So we'll get into that. Uh, I have the season debut of Goldilocks for you. Yes, Goldilocks, my college football picks against the spreads for games played by Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. All four teams are beginning their seasons this weekend. Uh, Goldilocks for last season, 27 and 18. Nine games above 500. We call that profitable, people. We call that, as my homie Snoop Dogg likes to say, make money, money, make money, money, money. Exactly, Snoop. Thank you. Uh, And also on the show, I will talk Nationals and Orioles. Great wins for the Nats and those on Thursday as each team won for a second straight day. Uh, The Nats on Thursday got their first walk-off win of the 2022 regular season. Yeah, they hadn't had a walk-off win. They now have a walk-off win, a 7-5-10 inning win over the American League worst Oakland A's at Nationals Park on Thursday as the man who has become the Nats uh, every game right fielder and number two batter, basically, Joey Manessis at a monster game. Uh, What a story Joey Manessis has become. He on Thursday went Four for six with a walk-off three-run homer, an RBI single, and two other singles. Uh, The O's, they on Thursday evening notched a second consecutive shutout win at the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, 3-0 was the final. Kyle Bradish, seven scoreless innings. He now has tossed 15 scoreless innings over his last two starts. The O's completed a 4-2 and two road trip that consisted of two three-game series at American League division leaders, the American League leading Houston Astros and the American League Central leading Guardians. Uh, nice job by the O's. Uh, By the way, we now know the next 10 all-time great members of the Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders. The commanders on Thursday had their annual welcome home luncheon, and the commanders announced the 10 new inductees to what the team called Washington's Greatest. Remember, this was part of the whole commandlegacy.com mess. Well, the 10 newest inductees to Washington's Greatest are Champ Bailey, Chris Cooley, my pal, Stephen Davis, London Fletcher, Daryl Grant, D'Angelo Hall, Ryan Kerrigan, Santana Moss, Larry Pecatello, and Trent Williams. Yes, Trent, who was part of the controversy with CommandLegacy.com, in addition to all of the spelling and factual errors on CommandLegacy.com, does end up being named as one of the 90 greatest members of the franchise, as this year the team is celebrating the 90th anniversary of the franchise. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. A lot of feedback on the commanders bringing back John Bostic and also safety Troy Apke, although Apke's on the practice squad, but I'll let you take three guesses as to the tone <laughs> of the feedback. A tweet from John on Rod Rivera, writes John, re-signing Bostic is typical of a below-average, desperate coach. He is coaching for his next contract, and wins are irrelevant in his vocabulary. He scapegoats Sam Mills III, claiming he was the problem, but not acknowledging he, as in Ron, can't pick players. Uh, well, Ron, as far as we know, has two years left on his contract after this coming season, so I don't think that his contract 
is the concern right now. I mean, Ron is set to get paid a lot of money for multiple years to come. A tweet from Rich, more of the same in Washington. A tweet from Dave, already for a seven-win season. Uh, Let's hope our team does a little bit better than seven wins in the 2022 regular season. Email from Robin, who is not happy about the Commanders bringing back John Bostic. Writes Robin, Big fan of the show. Thank you, Robin. Continues, Robin. Uh, Sorry for the vulgarity, but I just can't stand it anymore. Bringing back Bostic is the bleeping icing on the S-cake that has been our linebacker squad for two years. Anybody knowing anything about football knows that since the 2021 offseason, we have needed massive improvement at linebacker. But our two genius ex-NFL linebackers thought that adding a rookie was enough. Breaking news, it wasn't. This offseason, signing a proven middle linebacker should have been one of the top priorities, yet the team did absolutely nothing until August with the blockbuster signing of Nate Gary, who sure enough got injured soon after. Miles Jack, Kyle Van Noy, Joe Schobert, Jordan Hicks, Quan Alexander, Anthony Barr, all signed for very little to decent money. Anthony Hitchens and Dante Hightower are still available, but we're going to have to watch John Bostic take the field for us. This is going to be hard to watch. I still won't miss a snap of that S, but geez. Anyway, keep up the great work. Have a nice one. Go Durs! <laughs> Thank you for the email, Robin. You see, that is a passionate fan of the Commanders. That is a passionate fan of the Durs right there. Uh, I will properly address the Commander situation at linebacker next segment, so I'll hold my fire for now. I just would say keep this in mind. The idea isn't for John Bostic to play this coming season. The idea is for the Commander's primary linebackers this coming season to be Cole Holcomb, Jamin Davis, and David Mayo. Uh, Now, I don't know if that's going to end up being a great linebacker trio, but the idea in bringing back John Bostic isn't for him to play a bunch of snaps. Uh, At least, I don't think. Uh, But yeah, uh, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio are former NFL linebackers. That's kind of the irony of all of this. Each guy actually was a pretty good linebacker. Uh, Ron, of course, also is a cancer survivor. Uh, He in 2020 battled skin cancer, what was squamous cell carcinoma. Uh, Skin cancer is among the most common of all cancers in the United States, but the good news is that skin cancer also is among the most curable forms of cancer. Get checked, get screened, and someone who very much can help you with that is Dr. George Verghese. He and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer free skin cancer screenings. Yes, free. Call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Dr. Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He's a big fan of the Commanders. He's a loyal listener of this podcast. And operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Uh, The Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland diagnoses and treats a broad range of acute and chronic skin conditions, including skin cancer. And yes, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer free skin cancer screenings and offer state-of-the-art treatments for skin cancer. 
Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland are the DMV's number one outlet for Mohs Skin Cancer Surgery and for Superficial Radiation Therapy, or SRT, which is an alternative to surgical procedures for basal cell and squamous cell skin cancers. You won't find better, more state-of-the-art, or more comprehensive skin treatment and services than what you can get from Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Early detection and treatment of skin cancer save lives. If you have questions or concerns about your skin, call Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland at 301-396-3401. That's 301-396-3401. Make sure that you tell the Institute that Al Galdi sent you. That's 301-396-3401. You can also visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, nationally recognized for treating skin cancer across the Mid-Atlantic region. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. Don't forget to give the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And if you are really feeling generous, uh, please write a brief review saying that you like the podcast. Uh, You can do that on Apple Podcasts. It was on Tuesday afternoon that Commanders head coach Ron Rivera, in his uh, post-practice press conference off the Commanders cut down to 53, made it quite clear that what the Commanders had was an initial 53-man roster for which changes were coming. It was on Wednesday that we had a first batch of changes to the Commander's 53-man roster, and it was on Thursday that we had a second batch of changes to the Commander's 53-man roster. One of the biggest cliches in the National Football League, the NFL, is that NFL stands for not for long, right? Well, the Commander's initial 53-man roster for the 2022 season did not last for long. Uh, The Commander's on Thursday afternoon announced Four more roster moves. Uh, The team placed running back Brian Robinson Jr. on the reserve non-football injury or illness list. The team placed tight end Curtis Hodges on the reserve injured list. And the team signed unrestricted free agent linebackers John Bostic and David Mayo to the 53-man roster. Uh, Let's go through these moves. So Brian Robinson Jr. being placed on the reserve non-football injury or illness list or the NFI list. Uh, means that he'll have to miss at least the commander's first four games in the 2022 regular season. It obviously isn't surprising that he has been placed on this list, given that he, you know, got shot multiple times in an incident in Washington, D.C. this past Sunday. But given how well he had been doing and given that he had been on the commander's initial 53-man roster for the 2022 season since the roster's formation on Tuesday, you wondered if maybe, just maybe, he wasn't going to miss any games despite being the victim in a shooting this past Sunday. Well, Brian Robinson Jr. is going to miss some games, at least four games, and that's obviously understandable. Uh, Rod Rivera spoke to reporters on Thursday. Thursday, this at the team's 60th annual Welcome Home Luncheon, uh, which this year was held at the Grand Ballroom at the MGM National Harbor. This was Ron with reporters on Brian Robinson Jr. Decision to put uh, Brian Robinson on the uh, well, just uh, again listening to the doctors, and so we'll go from there. What did the doctors say? That you know, after four weeks, we'll go from there. 
How much does this allow him to kind of focus on his recovery? And a lot. And, and again, I think that was part of the discussion, was just making sure that it was just about him recovering, not just uh, physically, but mentally as well. Did you talk to him, and do you feel it kind of removes a pressure from him to have to hurry back or anything? Well, I think probably the truth of the matter is, is knowing who he is and knowing the type of young man uh, he is and wanting to be back as quickly as he would like to. I think that uh, you know the doctors probably thought that might be a good uh, a good decision. Yeah, as we heard from Rod Rivera, the commander's putting Brian Robinson Jr. on the NFI list, uh, maybe as much about his mental recovery from being shot as the physical recovery. Uh, By the way, when a team places a player on the NFI list, the team does not have to pay the player. Uh, The idea is that the player got hurt in a non-football activity or a non-team activity. Uh, but the Commanders are going to be paying Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, Commanders insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post tweeted that on Thursday afternoon. And of course, the Commanders should pay Robinson. That would be pretty bad, right? Not paying Robinson off him having been shot because technically the team doesn't have to pay him. Uh, going to be very interesting to see how Ron Rivera and offensive coordinator Scott Turner deploy Commanders running backs over the team's first four regular season games with Brian Robinson Jr. out. Uh, The Commanders now have three running backs on the team's 53-man roster, Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and Jonathan Williams. I, on Thursday's show, episode 390, discuss comments from Ron at his joint press conference with General Manager Martin Mayhew on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, These comments from Ron, rather lukewarm toward Antonio Gibson, just reassuming the role of RB1 should Brian Robinson Jr. miss games. Uh, Here were those comments. Well, I think with the three guys that we have, you know, the, the, the thing is to, to quickly establish who's, who's doing what and how they're doing it and then get them the ball in the best situation that gives us a chance to succeed. I mean, to sit there and just say, well, we're only going to take this one guy and do that. You know, J.D. McKinsey's a heck of a football player. Jonathan Williams has shown that he can run the ball between the tackles. So you feel good about the trio that we have right now, and, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, That to me did not sound like Rod Rivera fully endorsing Antonio Gibson as the commander's RB1 if in fact Brian Robinson Jr. ended up missing some games. And sure enough, he's gonna miss at least four games. Uh, The four games, week one, home to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Week two, at the Detroit Lions. Week three, home to the Philadelphia Eagles. Week four, at the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, So Brian Robinson Jr. will be out for the Commander's first two NFC East games. Uh, Same, by the way, for edge defender Chase Young. Uh, He is on the reserve physically unable to perform list. He's coming off a torn right ACL that he suffered in the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field last November 14th. Uh, Chase, like Brian Robinson Jr., will miss at least the Commander's first four games in the 2022 regular season. If you want a glass half full all of this, you can say that the Commanders in October could be getting two major additions to the 53-man roster in Brian Robinson Jr. and Chase Young. I mean, that could be like two major in-season acquisitions for the Commanders come October. Uh, Although, of course, uh, there is no guarantee that either guy will be back as soon as week five, and there's no guarantee that either guy will be his true self once he is back. Uh, The Commanders' other three roster moves on Thursday, placing Curtis Hodges on the reserve injured list and signing John Bostic and David Mayo 
to the 53-man roster. Uh, we knew that the Hodges and Bostic moves were coming. We figured that Mayo would be brought back in some way, perhaps to the practice squad, but he is now back on the 53-man roster. Consider the last few days for David Mayo, by the way. Tuesday, he made the commander's initial 53-man roster for the 2022 season. Wednesday, he got released by the commanders. Thursday, he was re-signed by the commanders. Second straight year in which Washington has done David Mayo like this. Washington, and it's cut down to 53 for the 2021 season, released Mayo, but the team the next day signed him to the 53-man roster. Uh, The commanders now have five linebackers on the team's 53-man roster. Cole Holcomb, Jamin Davis, David Mayo, John Bostic, and Milo Eifler. Uh, All five guys were with Washington last season. Holcomb, Davis, Mayo, and Bostic were with Washington at the beginning of the 2021 regular season. For all of the talk, for all of the time about the commanders needing to upgrade at linebacker, the team for the 2022 season essentially is going with the exact same linebackers who the team had in the 2021 season. Now, you likely know where I stand on the linebacker issue for the commanders. I do think that the issue is overrated. Uh, Washington in the 2021 regular season for the NFL's next-gen stats played a total of just 65 defensive snaps with three linebackers on the field. No position on defense in the NFL has been devalued more in recent years than linebacker. Uh, NFL defenses are going with at least five defensive backs on three out of every four defensive snaps. NFL teams in the 2021 regular season per football outsiders played with five or six defensive backs on 75.3% of defensive snaps. So the days of playing three linebackers at the same time are dying. Uh, That said, Linebacker does matter, okay? I mean, I'm not trying to say that linebacker doesn't matter at all. And linebacker play has been a problem for Washington for years now. Uh, As you may remember, Ron Rivera during the 2020 regular season famously called out Washington's linebacker play. Uh, We in the 2021 regular season saw some woeful linebacker play from Jamin Davis and John Bostic. There were Plenty of linebackers available in free agency in the 2022 NFL offseason and available via the 2022 NFL draft. But the commanders seemingly were not that interested in adding a linebacker of consequence. And so here we are again. Cole Holcomb, Jamin Davis, David Mayo, John Bostic, your top four linebackers for the team. At least we think. I mean, maybe the team has bigger plans for Milo Eifler than we realize. But if Washington's defense is bad for a second consecutive season, a lot of people are going to be looking at this lack of activity at linebacker. Uh, As you may have heard, Washington's defense last season was a major disappointment. Washington finished the 2021 regular season number 27 out of 32 NFL teams in total defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric. What remains as notable as anything with the team's defense for the 2022 season is the lack of change from the 2021 season. The players are basically the same. Now, sometimes in sports, the best thing that you can do is to do nothing. Uh, Change for change's sake isn't always good. Washington's defense was better over the team's final nine games in the 2021 regular season as compared to what the defense was over the team's first eight games in the 2021 regular season. Perhaps continuity and improvement from within are the proper approaches for the commanders having a good defense this coming season. But if the team's defense is bad for a second straight season, 
there's no doubt that Ron Rivera has left himself wide open to criticism in not only not having made any major changes to the defense in terms of players, but in going with basically the exact same players in what has been the weakest position group on the team's defense for years now, linebacker. Uh, Ron, in that joint press conference with Martin Mayhew on Wednesday afternoon, was asked, about the commander's defense, specifically the balance of the defense having humility of what happened last season, but also having confidence in bouncing back from last season. And Ron also got asked, what are reasonable expectations for the commander's defense in the 2022 season? Here's what Ron had to say first with his expectations for the commander's defense in the 2022 season for them to play very well. And then secondly, uh, the balance being is that when it's time to play, you go out and play. I mean, the humility part really is about, let's, you know, let's approach each game with confidence. We don't need the bravado. And I think that's one of the things that I really appreciated what, what Coach Del Rio did uh, when he first got together with those guys. Was, was, was guys say, we're just going to go out and we're going to do our job. We're going to take care of business, do the things that we need to do. Um, and I like that approach. And we shall see if the Ron Rivera approach of zero major change for the defensive personnel ends up being a wise one. Uh, what about the defensive coaching? I'm going to get to that next segment. But a wise decision that you can make is to go with Kellen Hunt as your real estate agent. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L dot com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Yeah, the time for buying a home in the Washington, D.C. area is now. The rise in mortgage rates has led to a rise in inventory, leading to a reduction in prices. Uh, I read to you from D.C. Urban Turf, quote, Inventory has bottomed out in the region with big increases in the availability of both single-family detached homes and townhomes in many local markets, and quote, now is the time to buy, especially with rents going up. And when it comes to getting a deal done to buy the Washington, D.C. area home that you want, ain't nobody better than Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell.com. Kell, K-E-L-L. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt understands the Washington, D.C. area real estate market. He is here for you to listen to what you want, no matter your situation in life. Whether you are a first-time buyer looking for guidance, or you have a young family looking for a bigger home, or you're ready to retire and or are looking to downsize, Kellen Hunt can help you. Uh, Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people. He's a great guy. He will listen to you. He's not just some know-it-all. He works for you. He takes in what you're looking for and then gets to work. Smart, attention to detail, creative. Put Kellen Hunt to work for you and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yeah, you the buyer, get a piece of the action. Kellen Hunt understands what buyers like you are facing, and he wants to help. So visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You have nothing to lose. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. Book your introductory call with Kellen Hunt at CloseItWithKell.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you.
So certainly more tinkering may be coming, but we now do have a good sense of what the Commander's 53-man roster will be for what is a week from Sunday, their regular season opener. The Commanders will begin their 2022 regular season on Sunday, September 11th, home to the Jacksonville Jaguars at one. Uh, this is year three for Ron Rivera as Washington head coach in a coach-centric approach. Uh, Ron for months has been saying that the Commander's 2022 season needs to be a step-forward season off the team over his first two regular seasons as Washington head coach, having gone a combined 14 and 19. Is the Commander's roster such that the team in the 2022 season will have a step-forward season? Uh, Ron and Commander's General Manager Martin Mayhew did a joint press conference on Wednesday afternoon. This was Martin Mayhew on the overall state of the commander's roster? Well, I mean, I think we've made uh, a lot of uh, moves in a positive direction this offseason in terms of our roster. I look at our quarterback room. I think it's been upgraded pretty significantly. You know, um, you look at a guy like Carson Wentz, who, who was an elite talent, you know, second overall pick in the draft, who is a critical part of getting the team to a Super Bowl in the past, veteran guy. Glad to have him. Uh, Taylor, I think, has improved uh, from his ability to play so much last year. He was, you know, coming to the season with not very experienced, but now he's an experienced backup for us. And then Sam Howell has been a good addition as well. Um, I agree with Coach on the offensive skill. I think we've upgraded in that area as well. Um, so I'm excited about where we are offensively, uh, defensively, the ability to add, you know, Pedarian in the draft, um, you know, the guys in the secondary. Um, some young players coming around there, like like Defoe and uh, Jamin as a linebacker for us. We've got some young talent on defense, too, that's, that's trending in the right direction as well. So I feel good about the roster overall. Looking forward to seeing how we play this year. So we heard Martin Mayhew say that the commanders have upgraded their quarterback room significantly. Uh, no doubt the biggest key to what kind of a season that the commanders have in the 2022 season will be their quarterback play. Uh, nothing was bigger for Washington entering its 2022 offseason than the search for a franchise quarterback. We heard about that incessantly, right? We talked about that incessantly. Uh, the team, of course, ended up trading for Carson Wentz. Massive season coming up for Carson for many reasons. But what about the rest of the team? This was Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on how much the commander's roster is what he was wanting off the end of the team's 2021 season. Well, I, I think what it resembles more so than anything else is, is, a, is a, a group of guys that you know we're trying to put together um, that fit the needs that, that we've been looking at. First and foremost, again, it goes back to like we talk about on the offensive side. You know, we want to feel really good about the offensive line, which we do. We want to feel really good about the, uh, you know, about the the skill positions, and again, we do. The thing we like is we've identified the quarterback, so we've, we've taken care of a lot of that things. So there's a lot of things for us to like on the defensive side, particularly on the on the defensive line, the tackles. That position, you know, really is, is stout for us. You know, we like the four guys that we have there. Um, you know, as far as the ends go, you know, we're, we're expecting some good things from, from Montez. And, you know, we anticipate those young guys that get opportunities to play the opposite side have to step up, be productive. Um, we like the linebackers. These are guys that, are, that have developed. Uh, we feel they've really come into their own. And as far as the cornerback position goes, we think we got some good athletic guys. We've got some guys with good size. And then we got some guys we think that, that have good, bright futures for us coming up. And then the safety position is is, is one that I, I really like. I think, you know, the guys that we have there as far as Cam and Bobby have really developed well together. Um, 
And then you look at the, the young guys that are behind them, and, and you know that, you know, again, you feel good about those guys. So it, it's, it's along the lines of what we're hoping for, looking for, trying to develop and put into place. Yeah, there certainly are nits to pick with the commander's roster. Uh, heck, you could argue that quarterback is one of the nits to pick. But overall, the commanders, to me, do not have a bad roster. Uh, the commanders, to me, have a middle-of-the-pack roster. The roster isn't great, but the roster isn't awful. And obviously, you want the roster to be great. But if you're ranking each of the NFL's 32 teams in terms of the quality of the players on each team's roster... The Commanders, to me, rank somewhere between, say, 14 and 20, okay? Somewhere in that range. You can maybe even expand that range if you want. But the idea is the Commanders roster isn't in the upper fourth of the NFL, but the Commanders roster also isn't in the bottom fourth of the NFL. 32 teams in the NFL. The Commanders roster isn't in the top eight, but it also isn't 25th or lower. And so when you're in that middle half, of the NFL. And you certainly could argue that the commander's roster is in the middle third of the NFL. Uh, You are living in that range of, in a 17-game regular season, 7-10 and and 11-6. and You know, if you get slammed with injuries and face a really tough schedule, as were the cases with Washington in the 2021 regular season, uh, then you'll go 7-10, and as Washington did in the 2021 regular season. And if you have a reasonable injury luck and face a manageable schedule, uh, then you can go 10-7 and or better. But there's something else that can very much determine the fate of an NFL team in a season, and that is coaching. You know, we can talk about Carson Wentz. We can talk about the state of the commander's overall roster, but I do think that the 2022 season is a major referendum on Ron Rivera and his commander's coaching staff, especially offensive coordinator Scott Turner and defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio. Uh, And I think that Ron, on August 9th, two weeks into training camp, firing defensive line coach Sam Mills III, was in part a function of the 2022 season being a major referendum on Ron Rivera and his commander's coaching staff. Uh, With Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio, I actually like a lot about both guys, but their units need to produce, okay? Scott, remember, got a contract extension this past offseason. This has not been talked about a lot, but we this past March had multiple reports that the commanders were signing Scott Turner to a multi-year contract extension, making it so that he and Ron Rivera are under contract through the 2024 season. Uh, Scott now has a quarterback who is at least decent, uh, at least we think, right? Uh, But Carson Wentz should be at least decent for the 2022 season. Uh, Scott now has a variety of offensive weapons with whom to work. And Scott has an offensive line coach in John Matsko, whose offensive lines consistently are greater than the sums of the line's parts. You know, the whole is consistently greater than the sum of the part. Matsko, we know, can coach. Uh, I actually think that Scott can coach, but it's time for him to have a good offense. He is entering his third season as Washington offensive coordinator. Washington finished the 2020 regular season number 32, dead last in the NFL in total offense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Washington finished the 2021 regular season number 21 in the NFL in total offense per DVOA. Now, you could argue that finishing 21st in total offense last season was impressive given the extent to which Washington's offense 
was ravaged by injury, but it's time for the Commanders to have a truly good offense. Let's see Scott Turner for the 2022 regular season coordinate an offense that finishes, say, top 16 in the NFL, you know, that ranks in the upper half of the NFL. That is a modest, reasonable goal. Can we at least have that, an upper half of the NFL offense for this coming season? And then there's Jack Del Rio. You know, Jack, unlike Scott, has presided over a number of impressive units. Jack does have an NFL resume. Jack, as Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator in 2002, took the Panthers from ranking number 21 in the NFL in total defense per DVOA for the 2001 regular season to number three for the 2002 regular season. Uh, Jack was the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach from 2003 through 2011. The Jags, over those nine regular seasons, finished in the top 10 in the NFL in total defense per DVOA five times. Uh, Jack was the Denver Broncos defensive coordinator from 2012 through 2014. The Broncos NFL rankings in total defense per DVOA over those three regular seasons were number five in 2012, number 15 in 2013, and number four in 2014. So top five in two of the three seasons. Now, Jack also was the head coach of the Oakland Raiders from 2015 through 2017, and his Raiders defenses were not particularly good, uh, including, as you may recall, the Redskins uh, carving up Jack's Raiders on Sunday Night Football in week three of the 2017 season. 27-10 was the final at FedEx Field as uh, Mr. Process quarterback Kirk Cousins in that game went 25 of 30 for 365 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. I'm a little bit more process-oriented. Yes, Kirk. Hello. Uh, uh, Jack Del Rio's 2020 Washington defense was good, but his 2021 Washington defense was not good. What is it going to be for Jack's commander's defense for the 2022 season? You know, Jack this past May, in an in-house conversation with Julie Donaldson, the commander's senior vice president of media and content said that he was not happy about Washington defensive backs having no-showed a portion of the team's 2021 offseason program, and that that was a reason for Washington's bad start to the 2021 regular season on defense. Uh, he also said that attendance for the 2022 offseason program was better. I still have a hard time buying that some defensive backs no-showing some off-season work in April and or May of 2021 really was a major reason for the team's defense, particularly the pass defense being so bad in September and October of 2021. Like, that to me sounds like excuse-making. I mean, what exactly are you doing with your defense to where some missed off-season activities in April and or May mean that your defense can't have its act together by September and October? Like, maybe your scheme is the problem. The other thing with Washington's defense last season was the usage of certain guys. Uh, Jamin Davis as the Mike linebacker, Landon Collins as a traditional safety, uh, corner William Jackson III being asked to do things that he had never done before, at least according to him. Jackson admitted this this past January. Jackson, at his season-ending Zoom press conference this past January 10th, said that he in the 2021 season had been, quote, doing things that I had never done before, end quote. Uh, all of this proved to be, shall we say, not for the best. Uh, why did it turn out that Washington last season miscast multiple players on defense? 
Whatever you think about the quality of the commander's roster, do you trust the commander's coaches to maximize the talent of the team's roster? Like I said, I do like a lot about Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio, but I have questions, and I don't know how you couldn't have some questions. Big seasons for Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio in the 2022 season. Some more on the commander's roster. Uh, Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on a common trait for the players on the commander's roster. Well, I I think one of the things that that a lot of these guys share is really their youth. I think it's a good young group of guys that are growing into their own. Um, That was one of the things I liked about what we saw through training camp was you saw some individual growth. Um, And as you see that, the one thing you're looking for now is, okay, are they growing as a unit, as a group? Um, and I think we've seen a lot of that. So I'm pretty excited about that more so than anything else is that, you know, this is a group of guys that if, if, if we continue to add the right pieces to it, you know, you've got a core. I mean, I, th- I think we have 24 or 25 guys from the last three draft classes that are on this roster. I think that's what it was. So you feel pretty comfortable about that and, and just think that, you know, this is a young group of guys with some veteran guys in the right spot that could help lead them and direct them and 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 you know this this can lead to good things yeah the commanders do still have a number of younger players on the roster a lot of guys in their early and mid-20s uh, here was martin mayhew on wednesday afternoon on a common trade for the players on the commanders roster I would agree with Coach on just the youth aspect of it, but also I think Coach has done a great job over the past few, past three years of really focusing on the football character of this football team uh, and having the right kind of guys. Um, as I, I like to say, everybody wants to play on Sunday. You know, it's the Monday through Saturday that runs guys out of this league, you know, and we've got a bunch of hardworking guys that do things the right way. They enjoy being together, they enjoy working together. You can see when Brian came back in the building, the feeling that guys had for Brian, you know, and that's across the board. So we've got a good group of guys here. Uh, and, you know, I, I think we've uh, we've upgraded in terms of football character pretty dramatically probably over the last three years. Yeah, and the implication right there would be that the team's football character was lacking when Rod Rivera took over the team in January 2020. Well, if the quality of your lawn is lacking, get with Weedman. Uh, Weedman, it cares for your lawn so that you don't have to. Weedman provides what your lawn needs to look great. Fertilization, weed control, aeration, seeding, and a variety of other services. If you do not have the time or the knowledge to make your lawn look great, no worries. Let Weedman take care of your lawn and take advantage of a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a fall tune-up at a great price in aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $219. Uh, That's about $100 off the usual price for those services. Call 571-340-3400 and mention the Al Galdi podcast for the special offer. A beautiful spring lawn starts in the fall, so take advantage of this special offer and put Weedman to work for you. Weedman is a national network of locally owned franchises, so you'll receive the personal service that you deserve. Uh, Weedman answers your phone calls and emails promptly. Weedman does what it says that it's going to do. And all of that sounds simple, I know, and all of that is simple, but all of that isn't nearly as common as it should be. Uh, Also, Weedman uses superior products that really improve your soil. Uh, Weedman's products are of the highest quality. Uh, Weedman does not cut corners, and Weedman only treats what needs to be treated. If you're not satisfied with your lawn, if you're not satisfied with who is treating your lawn, get 
with Weedman and take advantage of this special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a fall tune-up at a great price in aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $219. Again, about $100 off the usual price for those services. Call 571-340-3400 and mention the Al Galdi podcast for the special offer. That phone number again, 571-340-3400. And make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast so that you get the special deal. Uh, you could also Google Weedman and make a web request. Just make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast. Weedman, a great lawn at a great price with great personal service. All right, the 2022 college football season is underway. It got going last weekend, continued on Thursday night with some good games, and it is this coming weekend, Labor Day weekend, in which the 2022 college football season truly gets going, including the seasons for the Big Four in college football in the mid-Atlantic region, Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. This podcast, as you likely know, is a podcast about Washington, D.C. area sports. We in the D.C. area have many fans and alums of Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. Although coverage of especially those last three schools, Navy, Virginia, and Virginia Tech, has been lacking for years in our area. Well, this podcast attempts to rectify that. And one of the ways in which this podcast attempts to rectify that is what I have for you right now. Goldilocks. You've heard, no doubt, of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. This is even better. Goldilocks. My picks against the spreads for games played by Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. I do not cherry pick which games I pick. I pick the games of these four teams, the Terrapins, the Midshipmen, the Hokies, and the Cavaliers. I adhere to a contrarian handicapping philosophy wherever it might apply. I make usage of analytics, and most importantly, I make money for you. The record for Goldilocks in the 2021 season was a sparkling 27 and 18. We have a saying for that on this podcast. That saying comes from my longtime close personal friend, Snoop Dogg. Snoop, where you at? Make money, money, make money, money, money. Exactly, Snoop. Thank you. And so here we go. Goldilocks for week one of the 2022 college football season. All point spreads are from WinBet and are as of very early Friday morning. Goldilocks game number one, Maryland home to Buffalo. Saturday at noon, the Terrapins are minus 24. This is year four for Mike Loxley as Terps head coach. Maryland in 2019, Loxley's first season as Terps head coach went three and nine. Maryland in 2020, Loxley's second season as Terps head coach went two and three. Maryland in 2021, Loxley's third season as Terps head coach went seven and six. Uh, Maryland concluded its 2021 season with a 54-10 blowout of Virginia Tech in the pinstripe bowl at Yankee Stadium in New York City this past December 29th. Although, in fairness to the Hokies, uh, they for that game were a shell of what they had been in the 2021 season. So many key tech players did not play in that game. But last season did end up being a step forward season for Maryland under Loxley, even though the Terps continued to get smashed by ranked Big Ten teams. Maryland in the 2021 season in games against ranked Big Ten teams, 0-4, 
outscored by a combined score of 216-70. But Saturday's opponent, Buffalo, is not, say, Ohio State. Uh, Buffalo last season went just 4-8, and and the Terps this season have a starting quarterback in Talia Tungavailoa, who is as hyped as any Maryland quarterback going into a season in years. Uh, Talia is on the 2022 Maxwell Award and Davey O'Brien Award watch list. Uh, He, in the 2021 season, set new single-season Maryland records for passing yards, 300-yard passing games, and completions. Uh, When he is on, he is really on. Now, the issue for Talia is when he's not on, he actually can be quite bad. So you want to see him be more consistent this season. But yeah, Talia is super talented, and the guy is poised, I think, to have a great season. Uh, the Terps remain loaded at receiver. Dante Demas Jr., uh, Rakim Jared, who is on the 2022 Bolitnikoff Award watch list. Uh, Jay Sean Jones, they're all back. Demas and Jones are coming off season-ending leg injuries that were suffered last season. The Terps' backfield is unproven, but Maryland is returning all five of its offensive line starters from last season. In fact, Maryland has the 10th ranked returning offense in the FBS, according to ESPN's SP Plus rankings. Uh, Those rankings take into account teams returning production, recent recruiting, and recent results. Uh, And Maryland welcomes back 15 of 22 starters from a year ago, the most in the Big Ten. The Terps have won 10 consecutive non-conference openers. The Terps almost always get off to good starts in seasons. The problem is the Terps fading after the good starts. We'll worry about that later, but for now, give me the Terps minus the 24. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Thank you, Snoop. Goldilocks game number two, Navy home to Delaware. Saturday at noon, the midshipmen are minus 15. Delaware is an FCS school. So let's take a step back. Navy from 2003 through 2019, 15 winning seasons in 17 years. One of the most underrated stories in sports was the run that Navy had 2003 through 2019. But Navy in 2020 went just 3-7, and seven, and Navy in 2021 went just 4-8, and eight, although the Mids did win their most important game of the season. The Mids did beat Army, a 17-13 win over Army at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey this past December 11th, uh, despite Army having been appreciably better than Navy in the 2021 season. Navy went into that game just 3-8 and eight in the 2021 season. Army went into that game 8-3. and three in the 2021 season. Know this, Navy, yes, did go 4-8 last season, but 11 of the mids, 12 games were against teams that made bowl games. But what about this season for Navy? Uh, this is the 142nd year of Navy football. This is the 15th season for Ken Niamatololo as Navy head coach. Uh, Navy starting quarterback, again, is Ty Lovatai. Uh, He needs to be better than he was last season. You know, Navy, during its success of 15 winning seasons in 17 years, had a number of high-level option quarterbacks. Uh, Ricky Dobbs, Keenan Reynolds, Malcolm Perry. If the quarterback is good and making the right decisions with his pitches and running the football effectively, Navy can be really good. We'll see if Ty Lovatai can get to that level. Uh, Another key player for Navy is slot back Mikel Haywood. He is among the 52 college football players who've been named to the 2022 watch list for the 
Paul Horning Award, which is given annually to the most versatile player in major college football. Navy's defense is a wild card. Uh, gone is linebacker Diego Fago to graduation. Also gone is linebacker Johnny Hodges. He transferred to TCU. Navy, though, does have a good defensive coordinator in Brian Newberry. Keep this in mind with Navy. Uh, Navy's 12 opponents for this season combined to go 152 last season. Uh, that makes Navy's 2022 schedule the toughest in the FBS based on last year's opponents' win-loss records. Now, that's not the best way to determine strength of schedule, but uh, that is notable if you're a Navy fan. Uh, I will take Navy, and I will lay the 15. Make money, money, make money, money, money! Goldilocks game number three, Virginia Tech at Old Dominion, Friday night at 7. Uh, the Hokies are minus six. The line has moved a good bit. The line had been seven and a half. Uh, it was on November 30th that Virginia Tech announced the hiring of Brent Pry as Hokies head coach. He spent the previous eight seasons as defensive coordinator and linebackers coach at Penn State. Uh, he was co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach for the 2014 and 2015 seasons. He was the solo defensive coordinator and linebackers coach from 2016 to 2021. Uh, Pry worked as a defensive graduate assistant for the Hokies from 1995 through 97 under then head coach Frank Beamer and then defensive coordinator Bud Foster. The Hokies have a chance to be pretty good this season. They do have talent. Uh, the key is a new quarterback, Grant Wells. He comes to Blacksburg from Marshall. Uh, he was Marshall's starting quarterback the last two seasons. He was the 2020 Conference USA Freshman of the Year after leading the conference with 2,091 passing yards and 18 touchdown passes. But he, over the last two seasons, did throw 22 interceptions. One of Tech's biggest problems last season was the quarterback play. Uh, Braxton Burmeister, Connor Blumrick, the results were not good. Uh, if Wells is good, that will mean many good things for Virginia Tech. Uh, the Hokies are banged up at running back. Jalen Holston has been banged up. Malachi Thomas uh, not even listed on the Hokies depth chart. I do think that Tech's defense could be good. Edge defender Taiwan Garbett, uh, linebacker Dax Holifield, corner Dorian Strong. Hokies coaches have been raving about Dorian Strong. Uh, now, if you are a Tech fan, you do get the heebie-jeebies when you hear that Tech is playing at Old Dominion. The Hokies have a history of stunning September losses, including one in September 2018 when then number 13 Virginia Tech lost at Old Dominion 49-35 as ODU backup quarterback Blake LaRussa came off the bench and went 30 of 49 for 495 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. Uh, that said, I do not anticipate a Tech loss on Friday night. And keep this in mind, Old Dominion's offensive coordinator just resigned a few weeks ago out of nowhere. Uh, I will take the Hokies minus the six. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Yes, thank you, Snoop. Uh, Virginia Tech, don't let me down in taking you minus the six at ODU. And Goldilocks game number four, Virginia home to Richmond, Saturday afternoon at 1230. The Cavaliers are minus 23. This line has moved. 
Uh, it had been at 24 and a half. Richmond is an FCS school. Uh, the Wahoos, like Virginia Tech, have a new head coach. Virginia, this past December 10th, named Tony Elliott as the 41st head coach in Virginia football history. He was an offensive assistant at Clemson for 11 seasons. Elliott was Clemson's co-offensive coordinator for its 2016 and 2018 national championship seasons. Uh, Elliott was Clemson's co-offensive coordinator and then offensive coordinator for Trevor Lawrence's run as a Clemson quarterback 2018 through 2020. Uh, Elliott was Clemson's co-offensive coordinator for Deshaun Watson's last two seasons as a Clemson quarterback 2015 and 2016. Uh, Tony Elliott replaced Bronco Mendenhall, who this past December 2nd shockingly announced his resignation as Cavs head coach following the team's bowl game for the 2021 season. You know, with Virginia Tech, nobody was surprised that Justin Fuente ended up being out as Hokies head coach. With Virginia, I don't know anyone who saw the Bronco Mendenhall departure coming, but Tony Elliott is in. The Tony Elliott era for Virginia is beginning. The Brennan Armstrong era for Virginia is continuing. Uh, he decided to come back for UVA for a senior season. He is on the preseason watch list for like every possible award. Maxwell Award, Davy O'Brien Award, Manning Award, the CFPA National Performer of the Year Trophy, the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award, the Reese's Senior Bowl. Uh, a lot of people are watching Brennan Armstrong as he is on all of these watch lists. Uh, he last season was really good. Finished the 2021 season number 23 among qualified quarterbacks in the FBS and ESPN's total QBR at 75.4. Armstrong finished the 2021 season number four in the FBS in passing yards, 4,449. He had 31 touchdown passes versus 10 interceptions, averaged 8.9 yards per pass attempt. The number one problem for Virginia last season by far was the Who's defense. Uh, the offense with Armstrong was great. The defense was putrid. Listen to some of these game results for UVA last season. Last September 18th, a 59-39 loss at then number 21 North Carolina. Uh, last October 23rd, a 48-40 win over Georgia Tech at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville. Uh, last October 30th, a 66-49 loss at then number 25 BYU. That was the final score in a Virginia BYU football game. Not the final score in a Virginia BYU basketball game. If the Cavs defense this season can just be passable, just be mediocre, the Cavs can have a good season. The question is, will the Cavs defense this season be passable. But Virginia this season should again be dynamic offensively. Brendan Armstrong has with him not one, but two Bolitnikoff Award watch list receivers in Keaton Thompson and Dontavian Wicks. The Cavs are returning 89% of their total yardage on offense from last season. Give me Wahoo minus 23. Make money, money, make money, money, money. All right. So, you know, early season college football, you're really just trying to figure out who's good and who isn't good. So we'll see where these teams take us. But to review, Maryland minus 24, Navy minus 15, Virginia Tech minus six, and Virginia minus 23. Your Goldilocks for week one of the 2022 college football season. Up next, I'm talking nationals. Uh, finally, the Nats have a walk-off win. And thanks to Joey Manessis, who in a Nats season filled with so many <laughs> negative developments has become maybe the single most positive development. I'll get to that and much more after this.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, among the many, and I mean many, indignities for the Nats this season had been that they had yet to register a walk-off win. You know, it's hard to play 162 games and not notch a single walk-off win, and yet the Nats had been threatening to do just that. Uh, Well, it took 131 games, but the Nats in their 2022 regular season finally have a walk-off win, a 7-5, 10-inning win over the American League-worst Oakland A's at Nationals Park on Thursday to win the series two games to one and to get that oh-so-elusive first walk-off win. Manager Davey Martinez, if you would. I'm proud of the boys. Yes, Davey, thank you. Uh, That's now a major league worst of 45 and 86. And the number one star of the game, without question, without hesitation, was Joey Manessis. The legend of Joey Manessis now is even larger. It has been taken to new heights. The Nats on August 2nd, as you may have heard, uh, traded right fielder Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell to the San Diego Padres. Well, the Nats, in doing that, needed new players for the team's Major League roster. And so among the Nats' roster maneuverings was selecting the contract of someone named Joey Manessis from AAA Rochester. Uh, This season is his age 30 season. This season was his 10th minor league season. He had never played in a major league regular season game, but he since August 2nd 
has been nothing short of spectacular. Just look at what Joey Manessis did in this series. Manessis in the Nats at 10-6 loss to the A's on Tuesday night as an Nats starting right fielder and number two batter. Three for five with two RBI doubles and another double. He became the first rookie in franchise history to have at least three doubles in a regular season game. Uh, now, Manessis in the Nats, a 5-1 win over the A's on Wednesday night, did struggle. Uh, he is the Nats starting right fielder and number two batter, 0 for 4, left three men on base. But then came Thursday. Uh, Joey Manessis on Thursday as the Nats starting right fielder and number two batter. And note, in every game now, he's the Nats number two batter. The number two spot is where most major league teams now put their best batters. Uh, Manessis on Thursday, starting right fielder, number two batter, four for six with a walk-off three-run homer, an RBI single, and two other singles. Uh, he did commit a fielding error, but okay, uh, we can forgive that. Uh, Manessis in an Nats, one run first, an RBI single up the middle for a one nothing Nats lead. Manessis in the bottom of the third, a leadoff single up the middle on a 1-2 pitch. Manessis in an Nats, one run seventh, a one-out single up the middle. And Manessis in a Nats four-run tenth, a walk-off, two-out, three-run, opposite field home run to right center field for a 7-5 Nats win. What was, yes, the Nats' first walk-off win of the 2022 regular season. Also, the win improved the Nats to 4-18 and in extra inning games over the 2021 and 2022 regular seasons. Yeah, the Nats have been woeful in extra inning games over these last two seasons. Manessis hit the homer despite having been down in the count at 1.02. Manessis has been unreal. He now, for the Nats, over 104 major league regular season plate appearances, has an OPS of 1,011. All of his 104 career major league regular season plate appearances have come since the Nats on August 2nd. On what was 2022 MLB trade deadline day, selected his contract from AAA Rochester. Uh, If you care about the error, uh, Manessis on Thursday in Oakland's two-run seventh committed a fielding error. He overran the ball on a two-out opposite field single by Sean Murphy through the right side of the infield. But like I said, we can forgive that. The legend of Joey Manessis continues to grow. What this means, big picture, who the heck knows? Uh, To me, if you're a Nats fan, don't get sucked into that right now. Just enjoy this. In this season of so many bad things for the Nats, here's something that's a real positive. And here's something that's fun. What Joey Manessis is doing right now is fun. So just enjoy it. Uh, Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Thursday night on Joey Manessis, and you'll hear multiple follow-up exchanges. He chased the ball out of the zone, but, you know, I said if he gets the ball down in the zone, we can hit it. You know, he'll hit it hard, and um, sure enough, he hit it, you know, and uh, stayed on the ball. You know, that's what I love about him is that, you know, he he uses the whole field when he goes to hit, and um, he had a great game today. You know, hit three balls up the middle hard, and then a home run to right center field. So, um, you know, I can't say enough about what he's doing right now. He's been awesome. 
we've talked so much just about his offense, but for him to have that moment in a clutch, high-pressure situation, what does that say about him? No, he's uh, like I said, he's he's the same guy no matter what. Now, from the first inning to the last inning, uh, he goes up to and he's he's gonna he's gonna get try to get a good pitch to hit and put a good swing on it. And uh, like the, and the biggest thing for me, if if I'm a young hitter, I'm watching right now what he's doing, and his damage is really staying staying in the middle field, going the other way. Um, he's crushing balls like that, you know, especially with two strikes. So uh, if I, I'm, I'm going to take that into consideration if I'm a young hitter and say, man, I, I got to stay on the ball, right, um, and learn. You know, so, but he's done. Uh, he's done well. He he was a little upset that he, you know, he missed that ball again. You know, in right field and went underneath his glove. Um, and twice now, I told him, I said, you know what you're doing. And he just looked at me, goes, "L." I said, "Well, you're picking up your head before you catch the ball." I said, "You got to catch the ball first, and then and then throw the ball." I mean, that's you know, that's the key. That's the only thing you're doing. I mean, you're coming in, you're charging the ball, great. Um, don't look at the runner. Just catch the ball first, and then get up and throw and try to throw through your cutoff man. Big, big picture for him when you look at a guy. It's one thing to come up and have a couple good days, but for him to be doing this a month in, three hit day, the other day, four today, just how impressive is that? Able to yeah, he and you, like I said, he's been doing it all year. You know, we've been watching him all year, even in Rochester, and he's been hitting all year long. And um, nothing's changed. You know, and that's that's one thing that you know that I, I reiterate to him is um, nothing changes when you come up here. You know, you, you drove the ball, you know, from right field to left field. Um, just do the same thing, stay on the ball, and he's he's been awesome. Yes, he has been. Uh, there were other offensive heroes for the Nats in this 7-5-10 inning win over the A's at Nationals Park on Thursday. Ildemaro Vargas, uh, he on Thursday was the Nats starting shortstop at number eight batter. He has been the Nats number one third baseman for weeks now, but he on Thursday was the Nats starting shortstop. He is known for his defensive versatility, but as we have discussed, he has been hitting quite well for the Nats. And he in this game only went one for five, but the one was a big one, a big RBI single of Vargas in the Nats one run eighth, a two out RBI single through the left side of the infield to tie the game at three. And he had a steal of second base. Uh, the Nats on August 1st selected the contract of Ildemaro Vargas from AAA Rochester. This was done off the Nats earlier in the day, having traded super utility man A. Ray Adrianza to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, the Nats signed Vargas as a free agent this past May. This season is his age 30 season, but he over 89 major league plate appearances for the Nats as an OPS of 836. And he has had some big hits, including his hit on Thursday. I mean, you think about this, Joey Manessis age 30 season, Ildemaro Vargas age 30 season. Each guy just recently brought up from AAA Rochester, but each guy uh, serving as an offensive force right now uh, for the Nats. Uh, how about Cape Bear Ruiz? Uh, so he did not start on Thursday, day game after a night game. Uh, so the catcher did not start. Uh, Riley Adams was the Nats starting catcher for Thursday. But Cape Bear Ruiz in the Nats four-run 10th, a pinch one-out RBI single through the right side of the infield on a 1-2 pitch to cut the Nats deficit to 5-4. Uh, that was a big hit in this game. You know, K-Bear Ruiz has been rather mixed offensively this season, but he now in the 2022 regular season as a pinch hitter, 5 for 13. He has been really good as a pinch hitter this season. Uh, also, Lane Thomas, uh, he on Thursday as an at starting center fielder and number one batter, one for four with a double and two walks. Uh, Thomas in the Nats, one run first, a leadoff first pitch double down the left field line. Thomas in the bottom of the eighth drew a two out six pitch walk. Thomas in that Nats four run tenth 
drew a two-out five-pitch walk. That was a key walk in that inning. Uh, Thomas has been better lately. He has not had a great season, but he, for the month of August, slugged 468 in his September got off to a good start. You know, the Nats won this game on Thursday despite going 4-for-18 with runners in scoring position. You know, the Nats scored 7 runs, could have scored 10 or 11 runs given how many guys who the Nats had on base in this game. Uh, Luis Garcia was the Nats starting second baseman and number 5 batter, 0-for-4 with a walk and 3 strikeouts left to 6 men on base. Uh, Cesar Hernandez was the Nats starting third baseman and number 6 batter. He went 0-for-3 with a walk and a hit by pitch left to 5 men on base. Uh, Alex Call was an at starting left fielder, number seven batter, one for four with a triple left, four men on base. But how about the triple? Call in the bottom of the second, a leadoff triple to the left center field gap, but didn't score. Like that perfectly captures the extent to which the Nats uh, didn't do as much as they could have done offensively in this game. Lead-off triple, and the guy ends up not scoring. Uh, another hero for the Nats in this win over the A's uh, was the Nats starting pitcher in the game, Paolo Espino, uh, he was good. One run in five innings, six strikeouts versus no walks. I mean, you love that. Uh, gave up five hits, a homer and four singles, threw a lot of strikes, 66 pitches, 43 strikes versus a mere 23 balls. The only major mistake by Paolo was him giving up a leadoff homer to Shea Langoliers uh, to left field on a 1-2 pitch in the top of the fifth to tie the game at one. Uh, Paolo Espino now in the 2022 regular season, 35 games, including 15 starts, 96 total innings, ERA of 422. A crazy game for the Nats bullpen on Thursday. Six Nats relievers combined to allow four runs, three earned in five innings, and things could have been worse. So the bullpen was not good in this game. Victor Arano tossed a scoreless top of the sixth despite issuing a hit by pitch and a walk and giving up a single. He loaded the bases with one out, but somehow got out of the inning unscathed. He induced a 5-4-3 double play for the second and third outs. Uh, Jake McGee was charged with two runs and got just two outs. He and Oakland's two-run seventh issued a leadoff eight-pitch walk of Christian Pache, despite him having been dead at the count of 1.12, and gave up a two-out first pitch RBI single to Tony Kemp through the right side of the infield for a 2-1 A's lead. Carl Edwards Jr. in Oakland's two-run seventh faced three batters, but got just one out. You know, Edwards has been good for the Nats. He was not particularly good in this game. Gave up two two-out singles, a two-out opposite field single by Sean Murphy through the right side of the infield. That was the play on which Joey Manessis committed his fielding error. And Edwards gave up a two-out RBI single by Seth Brown to center field on a 1-2 pitch for a 3-1 A's lead. Uh, Erasmo Ramirez did toss a scoreless top of the eighth, but even he had an issue. Gave up a two-out triple to Christian Pache to the right center field gap on a ball on which uh, center fielder Lane Thomas could not make a sliding catch. Uh, the lone Nats reliever who truly was really good in this game was Kyle Finnegan. He tossed a perfect top of the ninth to preserve a 3 all tie. And then we had Hunter Harvey having problems in the top of the 10th, during which he allowed two runs, one earned. He retired the first two batters he faced, but he then issued a two-out, nine-pitch walk of V-Mile Machine, despite him having been down at the count at 1.02. And then Harvey gave up a two-out, two-run double to Shea Langoliers off the right center field scoreboard for a 5-3 A's lead. And then Harvey issued a two-out, six-pitch walk of Christian Pache, despite him having been down to the count at 1.12. But the Nats won. They finally 
have a walk-off win. Next up for the Nats, a 10-game road trip beginning with a three-game series at the National League East leading New York Mets. Game one, Friday night at 7-10, Josiah Gray will be the Nats starting pitcher. Game two, Saturday night at 7-10, Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher. And game three, Sunday afternoon at 1-40, Eric Fetty will be the Nats starting pitcher. Well, the Orioles on Thursday evening concluded a stiff six-game road trip. Uh, The road trip consisted of back-to-back three-game series at first-place teams, the American League-leading and American League-West-leading Houston Astros and the American League-Central-leading Cleveland Guardians. And in yet another sign of the Orioles' rebuild blossoming this season, the O's in each series won Two or three games. What a job by the O's on this road trip. Thursday evening, a second straight shutout victory. A 3-0 win at the Guardians. This off a 4-0 win at the Guardians on Wednesday evening. As the O's on Thursday evening, Joe Angel, were back where? In the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. Yes, Joe, the win column. Uh, the O's now are 69 and 61, and now are a mere one and a half games behind the Toronto Blue Jays for the American League's third wild card spot. Uh, the Orioles pitching on this four and two road trip was really good, and a big reason for that, Kyle Bradish. Uh, Bradish in a 2 nothing win at the Astros last Friday night. Eight scoreless innings. He gave up just two hits, both of which were singles. He had six strikeouts versus two walks. He also issued a hit by pitch, but he threw a lot of strikes. 96 pitches, 67 strikes versus just 29 balls. And Bradish did all of this against one of the best offensive teams in the majors. The Astros came into that day number five in the majors in team-weighted runs created plus for the 2022 regular season at 114. Well, Kyle Bradish was the Orioles starting pitcher on Thursday evening, and he again was outstanding. Bradish in this 3-0 win at the Guardians, seven scoreless innings. He gave up just two hits, both of which were singles. He had five strikeouts versus three walks. He threw 94 pitches, 58 strikes versus 36 balls. So Kyle Bradish on this road trip, Eight scoreless innings in a win at the Astros. Seven scoreless innings in a win at the Guardians. Kyle Bradish became the first pitcher in Orioles history with consecutive regular season outings of seven or more scoreless innings and two hits or fewer. How about that? And he became the first Orioles rookie starter with a regular season scoreless streak of 15 or more innings since Zach Britton in May 2011. O's manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame session with reporters on Thursday night on Kyle Bradish, who, by the way, since coming off the 15-day injured list, has been pitching from the stretch. Yeah, going from the stretch, you know, all the time now, and just has a way, just his delivery is way more in sync. Um, not trying to over overpower, overthrow the baseball. You don't see those up misses that you saw a lot early uh, just by trying to do too much. But now he's pitching, and, and now he's doing a great job working together with him. And um, that's not easy to do, to do what he just did on, on, on two road trip starts. 
Yeah, you know, you look at Kyle Bradish. So the O's on April 29th recalled Bradish from AAA Norfolk. He was good in two of his first three Major League regular season starts, including a sensational performance in a 5-3 win at the St. Louis Cardinals on May 10th. He in that game allowed two runs in seven innings with 11 strikeouts versus no walks. But things then fell apart. Bradish then was woeful in each of seven consecutive starts. He, over the seven starts, allowed 30 earned runs in just 29 and a third innings. Uh, Bradish then was on the 15-day injured list June 24th, retroactive to June 21st to July 29th with right shoulder inflammation. But he's since coming off the 15-day IL has been better. Uh, You know, he had been like decent. He lately has been excellent. Uh, Also excellent on Thursday evening for the Orioles was their bullpen. Two O's relievers combined for two scoreless innings with four strikeouts. And the two relievers with the Orioles a top two relievers as each guy pitched for a second consecutive game and was very good for a second consecutive game. Talking about CNL Perez and Felix Batista. Perez on Thursday evening, perfect bottom of the eighth with two strikeouts, lowering his ERA for the 2022 regular season to 155. Batista on Thursday evening, scoreless bottom of the ninth with two strikeouts, lowering his ERA for the 2022 regular season to 153. Perez and Batista in the 4 nothing win at the Guardians on Wednesday evening combined for two and a third scoreless innings. Perez tossed one and a third scoreless innings. Batista tossed a perfect bottom of the ninth on just six pitches. Uh, also, the O's on Thursday with rosters expanding recalled lefty pitcher D.L. Hall from AAA Norfolk. So he's back in the majors uh, where he will be used as a reliever, even though he is a starter. Uh, the O's are monitoring his innings. D.L. Hall, another one of these highly regarded Orioles prospects. He is the number 92 prospect in baseball for MLB Pipeline. Uh, it was on Wednesday that the O's selected the contract of another highly touted prospect, infielder Gunnar Henderson from AAA Norfolk. Uh, he is the number two prospect in baseball per MLB Pipeline. Uh, Henderson in the 4 nothing win at the Guardians on Wednesday evening in his Major League regular season debut was tremendous. Uh, he is the Orioles starting third baseman and number six batter, went two for four with a solo homer and a single. Uh, Gunnar Henderson on Thursday evening was the Orioles starting shortstop and number five batter, one for four with a single and a stolen base. But how about the defensive versatility of Gunnar Henderson already on display? Third base one night, shortstop the next night. Uh, The Orioles offense on Thursday evening, not necessarily great, but ultimately good enough. And, you know, I think you have to say pretty good considering who the O's were facing as the Guardian starting pitcher. Uh, The O's for the game, just three runs, just seven hits, just one walk. The O's struck out 13 times, went 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. Those numbers in a vacuum are not good, but the O's were facing Guardian's ace Shane Bieber. Uh, Three of the Orioles' seven hits were solo homers, and each came off Bieber. Uh, Cedric Mullins as the Orioles' starting center fielder and number one batter, one for four with a solo homer. Anthony Santander as the Orioles' starting right fielder and number three batter, one for four with a solo homer. Each homer was a first pitch homer. Each homer came in the top of the first. A Mullins homer led off the game. Santander's homer came with one out. The O's scored their other run in the game in the top of the fourth. Ryan Mountcastle, a one-out solo homer. Uh, he, on Thursday evening, as the Orioles starting first baseman and number seven batter, went one for four with the solo homer. Uh, so, note, Mountcastle 
in the seven spot in the lineup. Uh, very telling that Mountcastle, who has been struggling, batted in that number seven spot on Thursday evening. Brandon Hyde for this game had third baseman Ramon Arias as the cleanup batter and Ryan Mountcastle as the number seven batter. Uh, here was Brandon Hyde during his postgame session with reporters on Thursday night on the O's going four and two on this six-game road trip at two first-place teams in the Astros and Guardians. Yeah, we go four and two on a trip against Houston and, and Cleveland, and the pitching staffs that they have, and the and the playoff teams, the type teams that they have. Really proud of our guys. And he should be. Uh, he should be proud of his boys. You know, the O's now since a fourteen and twenty-four start are fifty-five and thirty-seven. Fifty-five and thirty-seven. Eighteen games above five hundred. More from Brandon Hyde on Thursday night. I think our guys have a ton of confidence. I think that, you know, that, that, that stretch we had, um, you know, we won, won 10 in a row and, and you know, sort of went in a lot of series. There, there was it just builds confidence. And we've beaten good teams. We've beaten um, some of the best teams in baseball and, you know, in their parks. And, and we've won a lot of series. And, you know, I, don't, I know the league has taken notice. And, and, uh, but our guys are just playing with a bunch of confidence right now. And, and uh, you know, I'm just, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yes, it is. Next up for the O's, a 10-game homestand beginning with a three-game series against the American League worst Oakland A's at Oriole Park at Camden Yards this weekend. Game one Friday night at 7.05, Dean Kramer will be the Orioles starting pitcher. Game two Saturday night at 7.05, Austin Voth will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And game three Sunday afternoon at 1.35, Spencer Watkins will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I will be doing a show for Monday for Labor Day. I will be laboring for Labor Day. Uh, Monday show, episode 392. We'll have a lot on the Commanders. And next week is a regular season game week. The Commanders will begin their 2022 regular season a week from Sunday home to the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday afternoon, September 11th at 1. Uh, we'll see if the commanders over the weekend make any more changes to the 53-man roster. Also on Monday's show, college football. I'll discuss whatever goes down in opening games for Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. The Terrapins home to Buffalo Saturday at noon. The Midshipmen home to Delaware Saturday at noon. The Hokies at Old Dominion Friday night at 7. And the Cavaliers home to Richmond Saturday afternoon at 12.30. And I, on Monday's show, will talk Nationals and Orioles. So the Nats this weekend have a three-game series at the National League East leading New York Mets. The O's this weekend have a three-game series against the American League worst Oakland A's at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Have a great rest of your Friday. Have a great Saturday and Sunday. And I'll talk to you on Monday. I'm a little bit more process-oriented. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.